Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. All right, let's go ahead and pray and we'll get started. Daddy, we just thank you for this time we have. And Lord, just show up and show out. Let every fear be cast away and let peace come back to your people. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so what we're going to be talking about today is the principle of grace, interpretation of scripture, God's blueprint. So uh, there's a few of you that wear glasses, right? And so you have a, a prescription to those glasses that help you to see a certain way. Well, guess what? God has a pair of glasses he wants us to put on every time we look at scripture so we can correctly interpret it. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to break down a few things. First thing, we're going to look at the word grace and what it means. Okay, we're going to do the Hebrew, we're going to do the Greek, and then we're going to take Paul and his definition of what grace is. Okay, so the first we're going to do the Greek, it's charis, and it means undeserved, unmerited favor. Number one, anything that isn't undeserved and unmerited favor, you're wearing the wrong glasses. Jesus didn't hang on a cross and pay for everything for us to have to work for it, right? And undeserved, unmerited favor is constantly flowing towards us. Constantly. Okay? So the Hebrew, chesed, right here, it is a picture of a mother swan with her signets on her back with her wings covering them. That's the Hebrew picture. That indicates protection and provision. It's got the masculine and the feminine characteristics of God in this name for God being grace. Now you're like, okay, there's other names for the word grace in Hebrew. There is. There is kahin and there's ratzon. But Dilich in his interpretation when he wrote the Brit Hadashah, which is the renewed covenant, which is the Jewish new covenant, so instead of in Greek, it's in Hebrew. He used the word chesed for the word grace. Every time there was the place of charis. So where there was charis, undeserved unmerited favor, he put chesed as the same thing. Pretty interesting, right? Okay. Now, Paul had a definition of grace in Romans 11.6. Listen to this. If it's by grace, it's no more works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. And if it's by works, it's no more grace. Otherwise, works is no more works. Paul defined it pretty good, didn't he? What was he saying? You can't mix law and grace. And the second you do, you nullify and bring to no effect each one of those covenants. Remember I told you last week, when you've got mixture, it's like you've got the brake and the gas at the same time in your car and the wheels are spinning, but you're not going nowhere. But the, the rubber's wearing out. That's how we wear out. Because we're not living by grace, we're living by mixture, which is this. Yes, Jesus paid for it on the cross, but now I have to be obedient in order to be righteous. See, with law, it's always you have to do to get the position. With grace, it's you've been given the position first, now you can do. So anything that sounds like, hey, you have to do this in order to get this, that is not 
interpreting this scripture correctly where it is by grace. Amen? Okay. So the first thing we have to look when we're wanting to interpret things correctly, we got to look at covenants and we got to look at the high priesthoods. So for grace and law, there's two covenants. So grace is the royal grant covenant and law is the suzerain vassal covenant. We're under the suzerain vassal covenant. No. We are under the royal grant covenant. Yeah, see, somebody's paying attention. Okay, so let's take a look at the suzerain vassal. The best place that we can get a, a picture of this is Deuteronomy 28. How many remember Deuteronomy 28? So let me tell you my experience with Deuteronomy 28. I was told, how many know when you first get into church, you really don't know a whole lot? And whatever, whatever the person's saying from the pulpit, you just assume that it's right. By the way, everything I'm teaching you, go study for yourself. You don't have to ask me. You can go ask the Holy Spirit. He'll show you. Right? So, Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. There was such, I had such a self-righteousness, and let me tell you how I got there. I was doing good, better than the life that I lived before. So, somehow, in my twisted way of thinking... I weighed out that I did more good than I did bad. So therefore, I'm being obedient. But that's not the scripture of Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. You know why? Because it says you have to obey all his commandments. It's a failing system to bring you to your end that you see you can only live by grace. So anyways, I lived like that for about seven years. And then when grace came, it was the best thing that I'd ever heard because now I have a position first that I'm righteous. Then I can live out and bring forth the fruits of righteousness. But if you have to be obedient to be righteous, that means you have to obey all, right? All his commandments that he commands you this day. Then he will set you high above the nations of the earth. Isn't it interesting with grace He's already put us in that position, and it's not just above the nations of the earth. It's sitting at the right hand of the Father in Christ, Amen. together with him in heavenly places. We got the position first. Now we can live out of who we really are. See, if you don't know who you are, you can't live out who you really are. Even though it's yours and you have it, but because you don't know it, your mind's not renewed to it, you're not empowered to live it out doesn't change who you are and what you have. It's just not as, as effective as it could be. Don't you want the best God has for you? Of course we do. You know what's really interesting? So the, the first 14 verses are about the blessings. And then from 15 all the way to 68 are the curses. Do you know what the last curse is? I will take you back to Egypt in ships and you will be slaves there and no one will buy you. The last curse. No, it's actually good news because this is what the law is good for. Nobody else wanted you, but he did. And he did what nobody ever would do for you 
He did. He wanted you at your worst. And he said, you're worth everything to me, so I'm going to give everything up just for you. That's what the law is good for. Nothing else. Once you're born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, the law was not even written to us. It was written to the Jews. Now, can we still learn things that, that are in there in the, in the types and shadows? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not what we live by anymore. If you want to live by mixture, what you're saying is, Jesus, what you did wasn't good enough for me. I have to, I have to do something to make up for what you lack. So the Royal Grant Covenant. The writer of Hebrews says it in chapter 10, verse uh, 16 and 17. He says this, This is the covenant that I will make with you in those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in your heart, and in your minds will I write them, and your iniquity and your sin I will remember no more. Double negative, no more. Ume, no more. Wow. So anything that you're hearing that somebody's trying to bring into what you're listening to, and it's saying that God will remember your sins automatically with this scripture, which goes back to the, the Old Testament scripture, which this is prophesied back in the Old Testament for this New Testament scripture that we have here. He will remember your sins no more. See, people think, Eric, man, if he doesn't remember our sins, what's going to constrain me from doing whatever I want? Right? Do you know it says that the love of God constrains us? See, when your heart is gripped by grace, what it ends up doing is it takes away that desire that you have to do those things that you shouldn't do. All the law can do is tell you what not to do, but guess what? It doesn't help you and lift one finger to do it. What do you want to live by? Grace or mixture? I'm not even talking about the law. I'm talking about mixing the covenants. And Paul already declared boldly that if it's grace, then it's no longer works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. If you put works into the equation to get something from God, guess what? Grace is no longer grace. Why? Because you've merited something. You've earned something. And God will never have it because what you're saying is God's not that good that he would give it to you without you having to do something. So what about the high priesthoods? We've got the Levitical and the Mechazedek. Levitical priesthood's all about the law. Anybody ever read through Leviticus? I mean, really, read through Leviticus. Man, it's like, it's not good news, is it? Now, if you pull out Christ out of the shadow types and apply grace to it, that's fine. That's what it's there for. Remember the two on the road, to, uh, on the road uh, back to Emmaus, from Emmaus, and they were... They were, they were uh, walking and they were all down and out and all of a sudden Jesus shows up and he hid himself in a way that they didn't recognize him. And it says that he started in Moses describing himself in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. He just gave us a model there how to interpret the Old Testament. Didn't say the law, he said himself. Okay. So, God was gathering his people. This is Exodus 19 and... Um, he just wanted to bestow all these blessings on them. Listen, 
it was never God's intention to give the law. They asked for it. And before God could speak, they spoke and said, all that you say, we will do. No, and they really meant it. They forgot it was the blood of the lamb that brought them out of bondage and slavery. They forgot about the grace of God and they wanted to take over and take the wheel for themselves. And they wanted to sit there and push on the gas and the brake at the same time and spin the wheel and burn out the rubber, but not go anywhere. They wandered. Do you know that trip is so short to get them to the promised land? And they wandered almost 40 years in the wilderness because they wanted to mix law and grace. So God's like, oh, okay, you want that? Get away from me. Sanctify yourselves. And then I'll set, set boundaries all around the mountain that you can't come up, that if you do, you shall die. And even if an animal does, shot through with an arrow. See, the order of Le the Levitical priesthood is cursing, and you have to stay away. It's the same thing today where it says that you're not near to God. That there's a boundary in between you and God. I don't care how bad you sin, there's never going to, and you're born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, there's nothing that can ever separate you from Christ. Erica, are you condoning sin? No, I don't like sin. It's not good. It hurts people. It hurts the person, hurts other people around them. We're not for sin. But I will tell you what, it doesn't change what God said he's going to do. So don't come near. Do you know, do you know I, love, I love the terminology in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, and it said, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. Didn't say grace and law. It said grace, undeserved, unmerited favor. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in a time of need. So that means we're messed up and, and there's things that aren't going on right with our lives. Didn't say, hey, when you're all doing great and everything's awesome and you got it all together, then come. No, come as you are. You know what the world needs to hear? They don't need to hear another sermon about how you need to get right. They need to hear that they can come just as they are. And by coming just as they are and having an interaction with God and Him gripping their heart with grace, they'll walk away different than when they first came in. And I've been working with broken people for 20 years. And by no means am I any type of expert, but I do know this one thing. When people are loved, it changes them. When people are loved, it changes them. And you know what it ends up causing them to do? Go out and love those people that are around them. Isn't that really the fulfillment of everything? They receive his love. They go out and they love. Love's more powerful than your unforgiveness. Love's more powerful than your hatred. Love's more powerful than your jealousy. Love's more powerful. It can change anything. And to say anything less... is taking away from who God is because he is love. So the Mechazedek, so Mechazedek, Melech Masedek in Hebrew, this is the priesthood that Jesus took over. Matter of fact, a lot of people and scholars will say this was pre-incarnate, the son of God. King of righteousness, I love that. 
guess what? We're not our own kings or queens of righteousness. There is nothing you could ever do to be right with God. Because if you could, Jesus would have never needed to come. So, when, so here's the difference. The Levitical priesthood, which is a curse, said, don't come near. They even sanctified themselves. He said, sanctify, sanctify them all. And then they can come, but they got to stay far away by these boundaries, and then God would come down on top of the mountain. It's a curse. I mean, any, you got kids? Could you imagine you could only see your kids from a distance? That's how he felt. He didn't want to see his kids from a distance. They asked for it. But what, what, what's your heart? I want my kids to come near. I want to embrace them. I want to love on them. It doesn't matter what they've done or what they haven't done. I love them because they're mine. Do you know when Jesus redeemed you and he bought you back from the slave market of sin and put you into a slave market of righteousness that you can't get out of so that you could come near and he could love on you and embrace you like he always wanted to. So... The difference is Melchizedek came and found Abraham. We're all a picture of Abraham, right? Been saved by faith through grace, right? Okay. He came to them, him. Wow. He wasn't like tomping his foot, Abraham, you know, you, you really messed up. You need, to, you need to fix that, and then you need to come over here, and then, you know, I'll let you rub up on me. I'll, I'll pat you on the head. Wow, Melchizedek, here's a picture of Jesus. He came and he found Abraham. Just like he came and found each one of us when we didn't know any better. And even when we have known better, he came and found us. Even when we didn't want him, he came and found us. Man, listen, the hounds of heaven will never stop. They will keep coming and coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. They'll never stop because that's grace. It will never stop coming after us. Never. So what was the first thing he brought? Bread and wine. Remember Jesus, this is in John chapter 6. Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you shall have no part with me. They were like, what is this guy talking about? But what was he talking about? He was talking about the finished work of Jesus. The body for, for wholeness and health. And then the blood. Do you know, forensically, in God's eyes, his son's blood washed away the old person you were and all of its sin to where it's as it never even existed in God's mind. Remember, he'll remember your sins no more. Dude, that's the best news in the whole world. I'm free. The burdens are off. Now I can live and just live and enjoy him. And he can enjoy me. Isn't that what a relationship with God is all about? Listen, sometimes people waste hours of prayer. And I'm not saying we pray. I'm not saying that. But you could pray and have a sense of distance to, from God. But when you're up in his arms and he's loving on you. That's an intimate relationship. And that's where you're changed at. I wasn't changed from all my prayers. Although I do pray and I do say we should pray. 
Or I would say it like this, we get to pray. But in his arms, when he's loving on you, especially in which is all the case with us when we don't deserve it, it does something to us that we're just never the same anymore in that area of our life. See, that's why the goodness of God, which is that, leads us to repentance. Go back and study the context of who he's talking about. And it goes back to chapter one. That's who he's talking about. And people were judging him. He says, do you not know the long-suffering, the forbearance of God, that it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance? He was talking to people that today we would look at them and we would be like, man, they just don't, they don't, they're not good enough. What they're doing, it's just too bad. What does God say? No, my goodness can lead them to repentance. So the bread and the wine, finished work of Jesus. And then he blessed Abraham and the Lord God. Blessed, not curse. There's nowhere recorded in this, these two verses where Melchizedek shows up. He never cursed Abraham. Was there things that Abraham had done that he could have cursed for? Yes, but he never cursed. So if you're listening to something and it's putting a curse on you, like people are saying, oh, because you did that, this is going to happen, or because you did that. Now listen, I'm not saying there's not cause and effect for sin. I'm not going to say that. There is, right? We've all. But you know what? Even some of the stuff that I've done, it's like he even made it in a way where I didn't even have to go through the cause and effect. And if I ever did, it was like his grace helped me through it in a way and brought me to a totally higher place than I was at before. Amen? He blessed Abraham and blessed the Lord God. Remember that when we get to the book, the James chapter 3 in a minute. He blessed Abraham and the Lord our God. Wow. And the last one was he delivered them from his enemies. Hey, listen, there's all kinds of stuff out there on spiritual warfare, and that's great, man, whatever stuff that you've learned. But man, let me tell you what, the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not about doing all this stuff to fight the enemy. It's about resting and letting God fight your battles. That's new covenant warfare. And all that armor of God, that's... Each of those pieces are a piece of the finished work of Jesus. Are you hearing me? So, just putting that as that. Um, So, deliver from the enemies. Okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to transition and we're going to go down to James 3. So, James 3 is talking, James is talking to the teachers. He's talking to the teachers said, brethren, let not many of us become teachers. We shall receive a stricter judgment. Wow. That, so, hey, listen, I'm going to be real. Just in grace, there are still some scriptures. I don't have it figured out yet. I'm still in the process of, like, God showing me and giving me revelation, right? Um, But even in that, even if I don't understand anything, I know enough and understand enough now to understand that it is grace. It is all about grace. Um, So one day I was studying this. And he's, he's speaking to teachers. See, teachers are part, part of the fivefold ministry. We should all be under teachers. I'm a teacher and I'm still under other teachers. Does that make sense with everybody? Yeah. Okay. So you've got the apostle, you've got the prophet, you've got the uh, evangelist, the pastor, and you've got the teacher. You've got the fivefold ministry. It's a picture of the hand of God at work in the church. 
And what's interesting is the thumb's the strongest. That's the apostle. He's the foundation of the church. Paul was the apostle, and he started all those churches. He was the foundation of it. Then you've got the uh, prophet, which is the index finger, which points you to Jesus and his finished work. No more thus saith the Lord. Are you hearing me? Uplift, edify, and encourage. That's That's what it's for, okay? The middle finger, which is the longest, and it has the farthest reach, is the evangelistic ministry. Then you got the pastor, which is the ring finger, which the whole job of the pastor, which is the shepherd, is to fortify you and your marriage between you and Jesus. And that how you're married and that you're one flesh now, that you are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And then the last one is the pinky finger. It's the smallest finger, but it can get into the ear and it can sow seeds of grace into the heart and it can bring forth fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. So, condemnation. Because this doesn't, Romans 8, 1, hold up a second. We got some issues here, don't we? Don't we got some issues? So, I did some research on this word, crema. This is the, the Greek word, crema, okay? And do you know what one of the definitions for it was? Listen to this. To go to the law. What's he telling these teachers? It's all grace, but when you go to the law and mix law and grace, you put yourself and everybody that you teach under condemnation. Because in uh, 2 Corinthians 3, it says that the law is the ministry of condemnation and death. And I finally figured out, okay, that makes sense to me. Because God can't condemn because Jesus was already condemned in our place. So how can we ever be condemned? Right? Okay. So let's read through this. So now you know the context of this whole chapter. Well, not the whole chapter, the first part of the chapter, okay? Is he's talking to teachers. He's dealing with mixture in the church, okay? And matter of fact, did you know on, think about this. Listen to this, okay? So when Jesus went in his transfiguration, who was there? Peter, James, and John, Right? Peter means stone, represents the law. James means to surpass. And John, Yochanan, means grace. The law is being surpassed by grace. And you know what God said when they said, oh, they they said, let us build a tabernacle for Moses, for Elijah, and for you. And God spoke from heaven and rebuked them. In love, he rebuked him. He goes, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Don't listen to Moses. Don't listen to Elijah. Hear my son, because that's pure grace. So listen to this. Verse 9. Therewith we bless God, even the Father, and there we curse men which are made after the similitude of God. That word similitude is homoiosis, and it means to have the same appearance. In other words, the teachers were blessing God. Yes, you, you are awesome, God. But man, you're not awesome. You're not in the same similitude as God, but we are because we're in Christ and we have that new identity. They weren't fortifying them in their new identity in Christ. They were actually cursing them by saying they weren't what God says they were. And that's what the law does when you bring it in. Then he goes and gives some other examples. Okay, listen to this. So remember, it's law and grace being mixed together. Right? What does that look like, Eric? 
yeah, you're, you're forgiven only to your next sin. Then you got to confess that sin. And then all the sins after that and all the sins after that and all the sins after that and all the sins. Anything that there is no rest, that's not grace. I talk to, my, I talk to the Lord about my sin sometimes. If I'm really struggling with something, I talk to him. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm not doing it to get forgiven. I'm already forgiven. Past, present, future. Are, are, are you hearing me? But I can feel free to talk to Jesus. Why? Because he knows everything about me. And guess what? He's still there. When I went through all that stuff, he was still there. He wasn't, listen, you can't send away Jesus. Jesus went into the worst places that possibly could be in the days that he was on earth. And guess what? Jesus went everywhere. There was nowhere he didn't go. And guess what? Not anybody. Their sin was so offensive it made him go away. Even the greatest sin, which is, which is self-righteousness, right, that the Pharisees had, he even looked over and wept over him and said, man, I wish you would come to me, but you would not. You wouldn't have me like a mother hen with her chicks, but you wouldn't have me. He wanted them still. And then you know what he even did? They rejected him. He knew they were going to reject him. So when 70 AD would roll around and the, the Roman Empire would just devastate and, and destroy the temple, he said, when you see these things happening, go to the mountains. He even gave them a way of escape. Isn't that such grace? Listen to this. So, out of the same mouth, blessing and cursing. Out of the same mouth, blessing and cursing. Brethren, these things ought not to be so. Dude, I love James. When I first used to read James, I read it from like a very legalistic point because that's where I was at. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Oh, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. God, I'm going to do all this stuff for you. I mean, and I really felt like I was going to do it. And then when I started to get the lens of grace, I was like, oh my God, this is such an amazing book. I love this book. It's filled with riches of the grace of God. Did you hear what he said? Okay, so I already said this. Now James is saying this. If you have blessing and cursing coming out of your mouth, you have mixture and you're putting the people under the ministry of condemnation. Not only that, when you say that over them, you're putting yourself under it. Do you know, it's, it says there's a double curse that preaches another gospel besides the one that Paul preached. A double curse. What is that, what is that other gospel? Mixing. Law, grace, law, grace, law, grace. I love it. He said, ought these things not to be so? Ought these things? I mean, think about what he's saying. These things shouldn't be. So he's correcting the teachers. Why? Because they're the ones that feed the flock. Whoever you listen to, you're a direct product of that, that what you listen to. If you're listening to mixture, guess what? You're going to be a product of mixture. Hey, I know, listen, record yourself one day. Just put on, put on your thing and record yourself, everything that you say, and I'll tell you, you'll find out exactly what you believe. 
All it takes one day, you'll find out. And you'll be able to tell if you have mixture or not. Hey, I even have days I'm like, whoa, I mean, I'd go back there for a minute, man. You know what I'm saying? Because, you, you know, things happen and you start questioning things. And what about this? And what about this? I always go back to the foundation of God loves me unconditionally. And it takes me back to a place of rest. I don't even have to understand all that right now. I just need to know right now, during this time, I'm loved. And that's it. Does a fountain send forth at the same place? By the way, the fountain is here, your mouth. And does it pour forth, listen to this, sweet and bitter? I already said those things ought not to be so. So what is sweet is grace. What's bitter? The law. Remember the bitter waters of Mara? And that water was a reflection as, as face sees face so the heart of a man will be revealed through water. And guess what? When they, looked, when they looked into the water, they saw their condition of what they had been in under a suzerain vassal for 400 years, passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. And that was a reflection of who they were. Even though they came out by the blood of the lamb, they were still so conditioned to that suzerain vassal that it's what they have to do in order to get can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Hey, can an apple tree bear oranges? Right? No, of course not. I love it. The olive and the, and the, and the olive berries and uh, the figs. And then he goes on, either can a vine figs? No, of course not. It's impossible. Why? Because... You are rooted in Christ, and he is the vine, and you are the branch. And apart from him, you can do no thing. When we get mixture and we're born again, right, what ends up happening is this. I believe from my experience that God still gets blessings in there. He just does. I remember I had mixture and I still saw blessings of God. I did. I mean, and that's just, those are just mercy. He's just showering with mercy. But when I saw when I was under pure grace, what I got in life, he literally changed me that I was never the same. That didn't happen before that. It's like, a, it's like you're cripping the hose and not as much water comes out when you get under mixture. And then he finishes out, so can any fountain both yield salt water and fresh? No. So this is what I'm going to do. We're going to pray that if there's any mixture in our lives number one god would reveal to us and we would see it and guess what when he does do it it's going to be in a way that you're going to feel loved does that make sense um because i still 14 years under grace and i still have some issues i'm not i'm just you know i'm gonna be real i don't have it all together but if there is anything because sometimes we have blinders on and we don't see what's really going on 
right? Or we're so used to something that it just becomes normal for us, which that if we just first started it, we would know it wouldn't be normal. And so uh, let's just pray that if there's those areas that God would reveal and then he would turn around and he would heal those areas. And I know we're in a grace church and I know, you know, I know you guys got a grip on it to some extent wherever you're at. Every person's different in this room. But I just know recently I saw some things in my own life and I was like, man, that is an area that I need grace in. So I was still sort of mixing in, in that area. And he just revealed that to me. And I feel I'm in the processes that he's walking me out of that to where I can be free in that area and actually rest. That is the number one way you'll know is by rest. When you're rested in an area, you know that there's just grace flowing into that area. Does that make sense with everybody? All right, let's pray. Daddy, I thank you that you give each one of us wisdom and show us if there is any areas where we still are having mixture that we don't even see, that we don't even know about. Lord, show it to us. And then we're asking you to uproot it and take it out and let pure grace floor. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen.